What does the coronavirus mean on the ground in the Kansas City region? Today on Deep Background, we talk with two great reporters about what they're hearing from people on the street. I'm Dave Helling. You are on Deep Background. Greetings, you're on Deep Background for May 13th, 2020, the podcast of the Kansas City Star. Dave Helling with the Star's editorial board, your your genial host here once again, along with Derek Donovan, my good friend, and two great reporters joining us for today's discussion, uh, Sarah Ritter of the Star. Sarah, so good to see you, and, and thanks for joining us for this discussion, and Eric Adler, who reports as well for the Kansas City Star. Great to see you, Eric. Obviously, we're still on the coronavirus beat and will be for some time. And that, uh, of course, is a subject both of you have reported on extensively. And that's what we want to talk about, because I think it's fair to say that you guys have focused kind of on the ground level impact of the coronavirus crisis, what it's meant for people and restaurants and customers, uh, and, and maybe less on what governors are doing and mayors and that type of thing. So, Eric, let me start with you. You had a great story in Sunday's paper about the battle over masks. What an amazing thing right, <laughs> that of right. all of this, we're fighting politically over whether or not to wear a cloth mask over your face. Talk to us about the what you found in doing that story. And more broadly, did we ever think that the coronavirus would turn into this massive cultural clash? Well, I, you know, that's a really good, great question, Dave, because I mean, maybe the question should be, is there anything that doesn't turn into a massive cultural politicized clash these days? Uh, I never did think that this would be uh, uh, anything more than, you know, a medical debate. And of course, it was a debate more than a month ago when the World Health Organization and CDC and, you know, other uh, health authorities, at least in the United States, were saying, um, you know, perhaps masks are not necessary that if we fidget with the mask, it actually could increase our uh, level of, of um, uh, you know, in, in jeopardy from the virus because we're not really using them correctly. And of course, we needed the masks for, for uh, frontline healthcare workers uh, and all of that kind of thing, which, which made sense. But then that turned around, um, you know, sort of, uh, I think, pressured in some way, or at least influenced by uh, the effects in China and other places and other doctors saying, hey, this is ridiculous that people are not wearing masks. It's sort of a commonsensical thing to do that uh, if this virus is being expelled in droplets, that if you have a mask on and other people have masks on, at least I'm protecting you from me and you're protecting me from you. And that rates of infection seem to go down if that's the case. And that, and yet, Everywhere I go, and it's been this way for a month, it is not hard to find people who just think this is a bunch of crock, that uh, masks are useless, they're silly, that I I have heard over and over again, and I think on the weekend I had another person say it, um, you know, listen, if I'm going to get this, I'm going to get it, and um, that's that, and I'm not worried. Uh, And then you sort of bring up the notion of, well, (laughs) what about other people? Uh, protecting other people, like you know, I just don't, I don't care. This is, um, this is a, a, a media uh, uh, frenzy. This is hype. This is they're not necessary. Yeah, the idea, the the idea is 
not only are people not wearing masks, but they they look at you that that they look at mask wearers as somehow cowards or deficient. I mean, it, 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 there's a judgment. Or that when you're in the marketplace or in the open, people judge you based on whether you're wearing a mask or not. That's well, just amazing. I have to say that the people who were not wearing masks, I did not find them all that judgmental about the people who do wear masks. That they're saying, listen, you want to wear a mask, that's fine. If you want to buy in to what is a bunch of media hype, uh, that's up to you. But they're not going to be so fooled. By this now, on the other side, those people who do wear masks are absolutely uh, judgmental about the people who don't, and saying, you know, how can you be so uh, uh, thoughtless and selfish? And um, this is about all of us working together to try to flatten these curves, um, you know. And and maybe that that thinking is what I don't know is whether that thinking in the Midwest, especially in our area, might be more uh, prominent. Like those people who don't wear masks, I mean. Than it is on the coast, where they've had you know much more of a problem. Right, right. And uh, where here we've had what 150 deaths, and I think people see that small numbers of deaths as evidence that this is overblown, as opposed to evidence that staying home and social distancing and wearing masks has actually had effect. Yeah. Now, Sarah, that you've been out and about in Johnson County on the Kansas side. what what's your general impression, if you have one, as to the uh, the public's reaction to these restrictions in the public place? Not just masks, but is there distancing? Are stores opening? Are people ignoring the rules? What what what's your general impression of how Johnson Countyans and Kansans are now acting now that this semi you know the the economy is opening up at least at some level? Yeah, um, some non-essential businesses started to open on Monday, and um, Joyce Smith, one of our reporters, and I went out, and it was a Monday, and it was the Monday after Mother's Day, and we were going to some retail stores, and so they weren't super crowded. We've seen some people starting to gather at restaurants and sitting at tables and at bars and doing those things that we've all been itching to do. Um, We will see on Monday if Governor Kelly allows um, more businesses to open, hair salons and things like that to open, and those things that people really want to do, and if those um, lead to bigger crowds. But so far, I think we're still seeing grocery stores and Home Depot and these businesses that have been open pretty packed. Personally, I've noticed that maybe people are ignoring the six-foot distancing rule and things like that more frequently as just time wears on. Um, And I've heard that from some elected officials as well, that they're kind of seeing people just feeling fatigued and so maybe they're ignoring it more and more over time we're not taking it as seriously wasn't this wasn't isn't the public reaction sarah the most predictable thing ever i mean the the idea that somehow the american economy and particularly the regional economy would go on a tight lockdown indefinitely was just always going to be a difficult thing people just itch to get outside and do things yeah, yeah, I think that's definitely true. And I think it's interesting. I think different parts of Johnson County are reacting in different ways. And I think that's been shown by our elected representatives, um, Western Johnson County, where it's not as populated, um, and Southern Johnson County as well, where it's not as populated. I think people maybe are saying, why can't we go to the store where there might just be 10 people on a normal day anyway, rather than right next to the border of the plaza and these things that typically are more populated. 
Um, so some elected officials have really been pushing for the economy to open um, and some have been taking it a lot more seriously and saying we need to wait longer. Testing is still very limited. Um, but yeah, I think it makes sense that people are reacting this way. It's been a long time. But I do think that, you know, Johnson County has the resources. A lot of residents in Johnson County are more affluent. And so they've been able to stay home, unlike in some areas. Right. right. It's really impacted middle and lower income families. Uh, Eric, let's go back over to the Missouri side and more broadly, taking a look at some of the other reactions from people. While it's clearly predictable that people would start to itch a little bit at the restrictions, it's also predictable that there is enormous confusion about this, right? That what is an essential business? What isn't an essential business? Who can work? Who can't work? What do I need to do? And in our community, you have different counties, different cities, Mm -hmm. different opening updates, two governors. That that leads to some on-the-ground cynicism about this whole project, doesn't it? Don't you think? Yeah, People are just sort of saying, hey, a barbershop in Johnson County can open, but a barbershop in Jackson County can't or whatever. And people look at that and go, well, this is crap. What, what, you know, this is just all crap. Right, right. I think that sort of just adds to the notion that, you know, we're, people are confused. Um, We don't quite know. I mean, I think there's sort of been this, you know, a a bit of a, uh, an assault on truth, for for a long time, and and anything that smacks of of indecision or or a difficult decision says like, well, you know, we really just don't know what's true. But listen, that said, I mean, I don't think any of us can underestimate how difficult a decision this is. I mean, we're we're sort of measuring public health against um, you know public welfare in terms of the economy. When you have thirty three million, or is it thirty five million? Or so people out of work. I mean, that is not an easy decision for for anyone to make. I'm, you know, like, what is the sacrifice the country is willing to make for that? Uh, how do you measure, you know, human life against the devastation to not only our country's economy but a, a world economy? I don't, I don't, I don't envy anyone who's making that choice or has to sort of measure those two against one another. Well, I think what happens is that people's um, their own bent comes through in this. You know, what is it you value? If you're not sick and you're a small business owner, you know, well, I value my business and uh, or I value my health, you know, and it really does depend on, on where they're sitting. As, as Sarah said, people who are at home and can afford to be at home or like, you know, I think very judgment. Why isn't everybody at home? Well, <laughs> they're at home and they can afford to be at home and, and maybe sort of, uh, you know, see this through for several more months. Whereas other people are like, you know, I got bills to pay and I'm not sick and I don't know anyone who's sick and I don't know anyone who has died. And so to them, this seems like a giant overreaction. In fact, I have an email in front of me from a woman after our mask story ran that said, you know, I suspect that this time next year, we'll be looking at this as, as, you know, as a major overreaction. Um, When you have... 81,000 or 83,000 people dead, uh, you know, in the last three months, I don't see how anyone can argue that what's happening is an overreaction. What to do yeah, about and, it. And, and the other part of that, right. And the other part of that, Eric, is it, it's so hard to prove what the outcome would have been had these steps not been taken. I mean, you, you get, a, let's say we have 100,000 deaths nationwide by the end of the month. 
you could make an argument that had there been no mitigation at all, that might have been 200,000 or 300, but you don't know. You can't prove that. And so people are saying on the other side, well, you know, 100,000 people, that's not so bad. We lose that many X amount or whatever. That's going to complicate decision-making going forward, isn't it? On things like baseball games and concerts and swimming pools and all the other things, reopening, you know, classes next fall, that, those will all be very difficult discussions because it's so amorphous. Well, and I think as Sarah would, would probably point out as well, we're in a period right now where we'll sort of see proof of concept, right? I mean, we're all sort of coming back in dribs and drabs now into these businesses. We're going to see what the result of that is. And, you know, in terms of, you know, media, uh, and, you know, and what the media wants or what's to see happens, I don't think there's anyone in the world or in the country would not love to see this not spike, right? Oh. Not to have more. I think we'd all want to go infection. away. I mean, right. that, I think everyone would love to just see that, you know, for those people who say this is an overreaction to be 100% right. Like, yeah, wow. We all went back to work and there's not another infection, you know, in America or in the Kansas city region and everything is okay. Who wouldn't love that to be the case? Yeah. But you know, we're going to see over the next few months what happens. And-, well, and Sarah, isn't it made more complicated because many of the cases, and you've done some, I think, reporting on this, have taken place in nursing homes, you know, in, in, in you know, inmates in custody, meatpacking plants, food processing plants, places where folks are crowded together of necessity. And yes. that sort of limits, does it not, our own understanding of how dangerous it is because we are working from home or not going to crowded places or not. And so that makes it harder to hold the line as well. Yeah. And I think there's two different arguments that I've heard on that as well. Um, Brighton Gardens in Prairie Village is, I think, the largest outbreak in Johnson County, um, several deaths there. And I've heard some people say, oh, well, that's contained and it's in a nursing home and it doesn't affect us. And I've heard other people say, well, you still have workers coming in and out of the nursing home, even if visitations are canceled. If they start going to more businesses, then what are they carrying throughout the county? And so I think in Johnson County, yeah, nursing homes is the biggest concern. Meatpacking plants, the huge concern. And so looking at those, you can't really look at those in isolation, I don't think. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about some of the other broader implications of the last six weeks in our region with two great reporters, Sarah Ritter and Eric Adler. Stay with us. You're on Deep Background. Hey there, this is Derek Donovan of the Kansas City Star Editorial Board, and we hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you like what you hear, help us support this podcast and the journalism that reporters at the Star do every day by subscribing. There's an easy way for you to do it. Head to kansascity.com slash background. You'll even get a special discount just for being a Deep Background listener. By subscribing at that URL, you will get three months of unlimited digital access to the star for $1.99 total. That's right. You get access to KansasCity.com, the e-edition of the newspaper, our mobile apps, and more for three whole months, and it only costs you $1.99. That's a pretty sweet deal. Plus, you will be supporting journalism that makes a difference in Kansas City. So go grab your computer or mobile device and head to KansasCity.com slash background. And hey, thanks for listening. 
Welcome back to Deep Background. Dave Helling with the Stars Editorial Board. Derek Donovan, my uh, colleague and friend and co-host, is with us. And Sarah Ritter and Eric Adler, two phenomenal reporters for the Kansas City Star, talking about the last six weeks in the corona uh, virus uh, pandemic. Sarah, we just talked a little bit about some of the decisions that are still to be made about schools, universe, colleges and universities, entertainment facilities, community centers. I mean, some of the other, you know, grocery stores and barbershops and restaurants are getting all the attention, but more communal activities are still to be determined, aren't they? How, how you know, the pressure I, I, there was unanimity when we started this on county commissions and city councils, and and now that that feeling of sort of common approach seems to be crumbling a little bit. How do we approach those decisions, in your view? Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, I think that's kind of crumbled lately, and even in Johnson County, they decided, along with Jackson and Wyandotte, to extend their stay-at-home orders to May 11th saying that it was important to do the same thing across the region, but now they all three have very different plans for reopening. Um, Johnson County is following statewide direction, so the decisions that happen in Johnson County will depend on statewide death totals and hospitalizations, which is very different in rural parts of the county than in the Kansas City metro. And so, yeah, I think a lot of people are making different decisions, and while there are similarities, um, it will be interesting to see how things like community centers and concerts and events and these bigger things start to play out. I think I'm not hearing anybody say those are going to happen right away. Um, but it will be interesting to see what Kansas decides, what Jackson County decides. And it might be very different. You might have people from all over the Metro flooding to one concert in one region because it's the one thing that's open. Yeah. Uh, Eric, uh, we wrote earlier this week an editorial about mayors, Mayor Quentin Lucas's decision to sort of back away from 10-10-10. Well, I don't want to get too deep mm -hmm. into that, but he clearly sort of understood after a blowback from the restaurant community, it needed to be changed. But one of the things I wrote was, we wrote was, uh, all the orders in the world uh, are possible, but ultimately it does come down to individual decisions, doesn't it? That people are going to decide if it's safe. They're going to decide if they want to send their child to a daycare center or a, or a school in the fall. They'll right. decide, you know, the Royals could say tomorrow, hey, baseball, and right. nobody would go, not because of a rule, but because of a personal decision. That's going to become more and more important in the summer months, don't you think, that individual choices will become a huge thing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the stuff we'll be, you know, that's where our reporting is going to be focused and over the next few weeks, I think, and over the next few months is, you know, do we come back and what is the effect? I mean, that, you know, it's a two-pronged effect, right? What is happening in the economy? Because now we've melded these two and these things have been melded from the beginning the economy yeah. and our health right and we've shut down the economy because we need to flatten the curve right well now we're going to open up the economy and so we're going to see do people come back uh and then what happens to that curve what's going to happen at our local hospitals and what's going to happen to our own health does it become a, a more personalized as you as you mentioned you know because these things have been isolated in nursing homes and, uh, you know, among certain vulnerable populations, et cetera, like, does it now start affecting more of us? Because indeed, 
it is literally infecting. Right, right. The other way to put that is, uh, you, you know, restaurant owners, for example, can say, hey, you need to let us open up so we can make money again. And people are going to say, A, I can go, or B, I'm not going to go because I'm worried about getting sick, or C, I'm not going to go because I don't have the money to go. I've lost my job. I don't, you know, I'm worried about my job. Those, I, I mean, the idea that we're out of the woods on those individual decisions seems very premature to me. Eric, you think that's right? Yeah, I do think that's right. And I, I think you'll, you know, I think you'll see two populations as you do now. And I also think you'll see human nature come into play. I mean, this is really interests me. And Sarah, I'm not sure if you've seen this as well. I mean, when I go out, I, I live in mid, near Midtown and uh, walk around the plaza. You'll see lots of people who are just sort of still very, very close to one another. And now that we're opening up, you go to parks, people sort of approach you in already in ways. I think they're starting to sort of forget that like, we haven't even really opened and they're already forgetting that we should be social distancing. I'll tell you a quick little anecdote. I was at a, um, this was like last week or so, we we're at a, a coffee shop on a Saturday and people are, are lining up, you know, these spacing themselves six feet away before they can enter the coffee shop. Only two people can go in at a time. And everybody in the coffee shop has masks and are, you know, using hand sanitizer and there's the plastic shield, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and people seem to be doing what they're supposed to be doing, although many people did not have masks. You know, I think I, my wife and I were the only ones in that line that actually had masks last week. Three young girls are standing on this patio and they've gotten their coffees. Um, they don't have masks on. One says, um, oh, this drink is so good. You should try it. And all three share their drinks with each other through the straw. And I mean, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what we do about that. And I don't think they were thinking, Oh, I don't care about the virus. They were just thinking, this is what we do. Right. Um, we share our drinks and in an atmosphere where we're all now together again, and the tension seems to be less, you do wonder if people are just going to start you know, reverting back to their, their normal behaviors. And I guess we'll see what effect that has. And my have a terrible effect. Right. I, I, I think you're saying you saw at least some of that similar behavior after the opening up late, uh, earlier this week on the Kansas side. Yeah, I've noticed some of that too. I think people are just, um, you know, they are fatigued. And so they are kind of saying, screw it, we're going to, you know, start returning to normalcy. And I think, Eric, you said this earlier this week, that this might be the most important time right now as things start to reopen and people start to go out. Our case is going to spike up again. And I think all health officials say that they are. It's just a matter of how much they are going to spike up again. Are we going to see similar cases rising as we did at the beginning of this? And are we going to have to shut down again? Yeah. Uh, let's end this with a question I sort of Talked about last week, Derek and I w went over with our uh, with the other guests, Kevin Hardy and Steve Ockrod, who were so kind kind to join us last week. And I'll ask you guys the same question: uh, it, politics aside, don't we have some sympathy for decision makers in this situation because they're flying blind a little bit too, and they are a subject to enormous second guessing? almost on a weekly basis. Is it too soon, too late? Should they have done this or not other? You know, I have some feeling in my sort of bones that, gosh, if it were me making the decision, I'm not sure I would do any better, 
even though I might do things differently, because this is so unique. Sarah, I'll start with you. I mean, there's sniping, there's disagreement, but don't we have some sympathy for the people having to make decide what to do in this crisis? I think so. And yeah, they're definitely getting the most criticism, which maybe is justified. But, you know, and there is kind of a push and pull between what public health experts are saying and what the politicians are saying. Right. Um, and so you kind of see the that. But guys, Sarah, wouldn't they, if, if they had their druthers, everything would shut down completely. We'd freeze in place for as long as, I mean, that's not possible either. And so balancing is just so difficult, it seems. Yeah, and I think, you know, especially at the local level, you know, representatives are really trying to share the concerns of their constituents and people in the counties that we live in. And so, you know, people really do want to get back to work and they do want to make a paycheck and they want to get off unemployment. And so you have to share those concerns, but at the same time, you have to balance the public health risks. Because you don't want, Eric, people to get sick. Yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking about your question. I guess I would, I guess I would answer it in this way, that I have sympathy, and I mentioned this earlier. Yeah, it's a it's a really really difficult decision to measure, you know, economy against public health, and and how much do you do, and when, and how much do you open, and what do we close? I, I guess my sympathy does not extend to misinformation. Um, yes, or lack I mean, of transparency. Yes, so I think right or lack of transparency. So uh, transparency. I think it, it, at any time, what we need, um, the decision is still hard, no doubt, but what we need is facts and what you need is truth. What is the medical reality? What is the best way to hem in this virus as we reopen? Um, you know, and that, I, th- I think one of the most dangerous things we can do is start filtering our facts through, you know, our political uh, um, lenses, and um, whether that's the you know the governor of whatever state, whether you're Republican or Democrat, like this is a health crisis that's affecting the economy in deep, deep, deep ways. And what is the best way medically to reopen so that we're all somewhat safe and the economy can be in, a, in its most effective uh, moments? So yeah, the problem is it that's a very difficult question to answer. Right, but you don't answer that. Right. And I think and I think what we see, I think both both Sarah and I see in talking to just regular people is really, really hard for people to take off either their red or their blue goggles in this. Which is astonishing, isn't it? I mean, even in this even in their existential once in a century crisis, we still retreat to our corners. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I think overall that's, that's dangerous. You know, when we need, what we really need is. Oh, it may be dangerous. It's certainly sad. There's no question about that. So, well, we want to wrap up this conversation. Sarah Ritter and Eric Adler, thanks so much for joining us uh, on this podcast uh, to talk about your reporting. I just point out that, that, the you know, the, Sarah and Eric and all the other reporters at the star are out there every day chronicling this uh, enormous challenge, and they're doing a phenomenal job and really helping keeping those facts straight. So we thank you both for that and for all of your colleagues as well on the news side. And we're doing, Derek, what we can on the editorial side as well, I guess. (laughs) So thanks to both of you again for joining us. Derek, as always, thanks for co-hosting. And my name is Dave Helling of the Kansas City Star. You have been on Deep Background.